going to read from John 14, from verse 15. This is such cool news today, you're not going to be able to stand it. You know that, right? I can see you're, you're quivering with anticipation. Well, quiver, brothers and sisters. If you, don't, if you don't get this, you might as well go and jump off a cliff. Really, you might as well. Without, without the, the, the stuff today, I don't know. Good luck. John 14, 15 to 31. Jesus said, If you love me, you'll obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. just want to draw attention to the fact that Jesus said, If you love me, you will do what I command, and then he carries on. We're clear about that. In other words, he doesn't say, please keep the rules. He never intended, if you love me, um, you will obey what I command, period. That's the end of the story. Hope you work it out. So I just want to make sure we get that. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, and I do, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father, and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you and we pray that you will take these words, that you will take our hearts this morning and that they will uh, burn with a sense of your presence. That these words will come alive in our hearts. In Jesus' name. I love this topic. It's probably my favorite topic. Apart from talking about Cheryl. 
I'm trying to get brownie points, man. Help me here. <laughs> you know, I got a lot to learn. You've told me that. All of you have told me that. So, a little too enthusiastic. Imagine you go back 300 years. You go back 300 years, and you're in a home, and the home has lamplight and things called brooms to sweep the floor and there's a fire where all the cooking is done and outside there's wagons and horses and imagine that you come roaring up to this house in your 21st century sports car or truck or whatever. And you can just magically have your house across the street. And at night you switch on the lights and it floods the street because there are no lights. And you invite the neighbors over and you sit and talk to them and say, aren't you going to make food? And they say, oh, well, it's happening in the microwave and the oven. And then you say, well, let's go, let's go for a trip. And you go, well, it's only a horse trip away. And you go, no, 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 we can go 45 miles in an hour. And they go, wow, what? Pretty much everything of your and my life today would be unbelievably astounding to somebody 300 years ago. They wouldn't be able to wrap their heads around it. What we're talking about today with the gift of the Holy Spirit is that kind of dramatic contrast. I was driving here and I think one of the, I was thinking about this and it seemed like God was saying, do you understand that those who have me as Savior, Jesus, and are filled with my Spirit live like that today and the people next door to you who don't know Jesus or like in their wagon and cart in comparison. Well, that's what it should be. Why would you ignore the gift of power? Why would you settle for a horse and cart if you could have a vehicle? Why would you settle for lamplight when you could have electricity? Why would you settle for the drudgery, as I saw in Uganda, of going out collecting firewood when you can have electricity? Why would you settle for living a life as an orphan when you can know a father who loves you beyond your wildest imagination? That's why Jesus came. Jesus came into a world full of orphans. I went down to visit Carmen yesterday in Victoria and went to the British Treasures Museum. You know, the exhibition of British Treasures. And it's amazing because you, you go through all these treasures and many of them have to do with burial and death. I would imagine over 50% of those treasures... Um, have to do with spiritual darkness. 
have to do with uh, the, the wonderful richness of Egypt, which is actually hell. And all the mummies with all the kinds of stuff painted on them are all demonic. And the amulets and all the Greek statues are all to gods and demonic forces. And I'm not being narrow-minded or, or whatever. All I'm saying is you go to something like that and if you look behind the so-called treasure, you hear the cry of a human beings, whether it's in Africa or Asia or China or the Islamic world. I went to see the film Mecca at the IMAX because I always go to the IMAX when I go to Victoria. And it was about a story about a guy going to do his hadid, whatever it's called, to Mecca. And you know, I was waiting for some meaning and there's nothing. They go to Mecca and they walk around this thing. There's lots of symbolism, but there's nothing. And Jesus said, well, Jesus, God so loved the world, he sent his son to say, I will create a place for you to be reconciled with the living God through the cross and the pouring out of my blood that atones for all sin. The whole of that museum and all the treasures are how do we get right with a deity that we don't actually know. I'd venture to guess that 50% to 80% of Christians in churches are as superstitious as the Egyptians. They don't really know the deity whom they profess to worship. Because Jesus came to bring life and good news and to say, I have come to bring relationship into your life. I've come to love you and give you an identity. The person of the Holy Spirit is who I will send after my resurrection to lead you through life, just like I have led these disciples. The catch is that we sometimes want to be religious and spiritual and also run our own lives. We want both. And that's when we prefer to come and sit in the one place in church and be religious rather than relational. Relational is Jesus coming up to you and me and say, who do you call me? What do you think of me? How are you doing? It gets real personal. Why does it get personal? Because how does he... Actually, share your life if there's no personal in interaction. And what happens if there's nothing that you can say that he's going to throw his hands up and say, Oh my word, I don't know what to do about that. And what happens if there's nothing that you can say or can do that he's going to go, Out of here, I'm done with you. What happens if there's nothing on his map that's like that? And all he comes to do is say, You're in a bit of a bind right now, let's, let's go for a walk. I'm going to love you into sort of some kind of transformation. Relationship transforms. Religion doesn't. Religion hardens hearts, brings out self-righteous attitudes, usually starts saying they've got a problem. Orphans. What are orphans? Orphans are people who have no place to belong. They have no sense of being nurtured. They have no sense of parent. They have no sense of home. They have no sense of being looked after. They have no sense of being cared for. They have no sense of inheritance. They have no sense of identity. All they know is abandonment, lostness, and I've got to try as hard as I can to survive. Are you doing that? Jesus says, I don't leave you as an orphan. 
And I don't leave you to join a religious club. I, I, I have sent my spirit to say you are loved. You are matter. I have things for you that are way beyond your imagination. If you think Ron lit up when he got Johann Sebastian Bach as his grandfather, you ain't seen nothing. Because Bach wasn't that great. He's a brilliant musician, but there's probably all kinds of his life that you know, Ron wouldn't want to identify with. But Jesus, yes. Nicodemus was a religious man, very sincere man, and a lot of respect for Nicodemus. He came to Jesus in the middle of the night in Jerusalem, and I was in Jerusalem in the middle of the night, coming back from a, pal- a supper at a Palestinian's home, and they had to show me out, because you, you can't see a thing. It is black. Narrow streets, nothing. You can't see a thing. And Nicodemus came to see Jesus, and he said, you, we know God is with you because you do miraculous signs. And I love the response that a guy called Wayne Jacobson, who was actually linked up with the writing of The Shack, or the guy who wrote The Shack, he wrote an article and he, talk, he, he called it Windblown. And I, just lo- I love it. Windblown. Because what I want to think about is, is that t- people alive to Jesus are windblown. And this is what he said. The kingdom Jesus was bringing was different. It offered Nicodemus not another performance standard but a completely different way of living. Because Nicodemus came to Jesus saying, what do I need to do? Nicodemus was not being brought to another performance standard, but a completely different way of living. To embrace that would take a rebirth of the spirit that would open his spiritual eyes. And that's when Jesus dropped the bombshell. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it, was a, it, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. If Jesus was going to define his kingdom by a creed, this was his time to say it. If Nicodemus could see the kingdom by participating in certain rituals or sacraments or ascribing to the ethics of a godly life, Jesus would have told him here. Jesus, listen to this, was not refining the religion of the old covenant. In other words, he was not taking the Old Testament, reshaping it, and handing it back. He was offering a new way of living that was indefinable and incomprehensible to the natural mind. Just as human beings never grasp resurrection, so the kingdom of God is not possible to be grasped from our natural intellect. And freedom comes when we start learning that. And so it is with us. The more we have been schooled in religious activity, the more difficult it is to see this kingdom for what it really is. We have many millions of people on the planet today claiming to be born again who don't have the foggiest idea who Jesus is or how to live in his reality. They may subscribe to Christian beliefs, follow Christian ethics and practice Christian rules, but they do not know how to ride the wind of his spirit and be transformed by him. Because our ways are to bring everything down to stuff that we can manage. And God's ways are to say, let the wind blow. Trust me, just like you tell your children. Last week we talked about nobody can enter the kingdom of God unless they become as a child. What's Jesus also saying? He said, and by the way, orphans don't come into the kingdom. Every child who comes into the kingdom comes with the Holy Spirit because children need to be cared for. 
So the kingdom doesn't have any independence. The kingdom has interdependence. The kingdom has an awareness that I cannot do anything on my own. I could go through a whole lot of readings right now. I don't think I will. I could take you through, uh, you know, when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, uh, when John had said, John baptized Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him and filled him and said, this is my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. Jesus had done nothing supernatural up until that point. It was the Holy Spirit filling him that released him to do the signs and wonders, the miracles. He went into a very human baptism of repentance in order to be empowered by the Spirit. And that's what he told the disciples. The disciples were asking him about when the kingdom was going to come and he said, wait in Jerusalem until you've received power. The same power that I received before I started my ministry. Because I'm fully human, I'm just like you. So I said, I said to you, uh, you go and wait in Jerusalem and when my spirit comes at Pentecost, which they hadn't got a clue what that was about, they just went to wait. You see, we want, I know what I want. I want Jesus to say, look, it's going to take six weeks, go wait over there and it'll happen. And this is what will happen. Don't be too terrified. It'll be like tongues of fire. You'll all look crazy and be drunk, but don't worry. He doesn't tell them. He just says, wait. And he doesn't say how long. I'm really pointing this out because so many of us want all the details. And what's Jesus doing? Well, he's saying, well, within those six weeks, I'm going to actually teach you something. I'm going to teach you patience. I'm going to teach you how to get along with each other. I'm going to teach you to wait. And then the Holy Spirit comes. Nine o'clock in the morning. They're sitting down, by the way. And the Holy Spirit falls and they start speaking in tongues and they start making a racket because everybody else around them in the street starts saying, what's going on here? Some think they drank, some are laughing, and some say it's the power of God. And Peter stands up and speaks about it. And he says, this is what God spoke about a long time ago. And this promise of the Holy Spirit is for your fathers, your children, for everybody. It's a promise for all. So, this week, I was, uh, have you driven along the highway lately? What color is the highway? What color are the banks of the highway right now? Can't hear you. Yellow. yellow. Why are they yellow? The broom is like a weed and it goes everywhere, right? And so I've got someone at, at our house and I worked at it last year and I try to work at it this year to get rid of it. I want to give you a little metaphor. Pretend Jesus is here and he says there was a man who had a house and he had broom. And he said, and God came to him and said, clear your property of broom. There was a man who tried to use his bare hands. And he did his best as he could to clear the broom. And if you tried clearing broom with your bare hands, it's tough. So there was another man who said, you know, why don't you try using gloves because those will your hands won't get so hurt while you get the broom so he wore gloves he tried to do it that way 
Then there was a man who said, why don't you use something that will help you better? And he got a stone and he sharpened it and he started cutting at the bottom of the broom. It was hard work. But he got some broom out. And he was doing what he was told. And then there was a man who, who, who watched all that and, and, and he found one of these. He said, this is a lot more efficient. So he started hacking away at the bottom of the broom with this and he got more done. And then, of course, there was a man who had a machine. And he uh, strapped this baby on and he looked good. Right? Look at that. Ready to go. I'm a broom killer. And he plugged it in, turned it on, tried to start it. You scared of this thing? <laughs> tried to start it and it didn't go. He had this beautiful machine. And he could sort of do this and probably hope to spin the blade a bit and cut a bit of it, but it was incredibly hard work. So, have you ever interviewed a weed eater? You want to talk to the weed eater? The weed eater says, you know, actually, he looks pretty cool, but he's absolutely useless. Because he's designed to be filled with gas. And without gas, you might as well throw him away. Or use him for creepers, or maybe the broom can grow up him. So, you put gas in this thing. Now the gas is sitting here. And the gas says, I can make fires, and I can empower. But I don't do it in here. This is the source. It's not the power. So you pour the gas in here. It's a special container for gas. It's made for this. If you pour water in here, it won't work. If you put sand in here and grow a pot plant, it won't work. If you put brandy or wine in here, it won't work. If you put sticks in here, it won't work designed for gas because gas powers the engine that drives the machine this guy sincerely follows Jesus he's read the scriptures and this is what the Bible says work hard this guy follows Jesus this guy follows Jesus they all follow Jesus they give their lives to taking broom. And Jesus comes up and says, what a lot of hard work for not a heck of a lot of result. And I come up to him at the end of my time and I say, Lord, I worked hard for you. And he says, John, I'm admiring your work, but I gave you a weed eater and I gave you gas. And you could have actually done what these tools have enabled you to do. I, you could have done it in three hours. And you've been walking around boasting about how God has used you and how faithful you have been. 
And I'm looking at you and saying, you're stubborn, you're bloody-minded, and you're very arrogant because you won't let me use you. Because all of these tools, every single one of them, you see, the rock could not even be used unless it was in the hand of a human being, chopping it. The gloves could not be used unless they were filled with life that is not theirs. This could not be used unless it was held by a hand that gave it life and effectiveness. It is useless on its own. And this big, beautiful machine is useless unless it's being held by somebody and empowered by something. And Jesus said, we are like this stuff. We need something to complete us in order to make us effective. That is what the Spirit does. Each of us is designed with a little bottle there. I used that weed eater about four days ago, taking some of the broom out, and then it stopped. That's what happened. And I pulled on the thing, and I, you know, it's not working anymore. Throw it away. No, you've got to keep filling it with gas. Oh, then you can use it lots. Jesus said, keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. That means you are never, ever at a place where you go, I don't need the Spirit. I can do this on my own. I've never seen a weed eater buzzing without gas in it. Without gas in it, that weed eater is an orphan. And my brothers and sisters, it's real, 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 real simple. Jesus said to his disciples, My dearly beloved brothers and sisters, I mean, he loved those guys more than he loved anybody. He knew them inside out. And he said, for God's sake, I don't want to let you loose out there without a power that's not your own. I want to contend with you that many of us are beaten up in the world out there because we're bloody-minded and arrogant and we think we can do this stuff on our own or we choose our theologies or we provide a lot of reasons for being an empty machine. And so it takes us ten years to talk to somebody about Jesus or ten years to go, you know who I found? Because... Empty weed eaters aren't heck of an attractive to a world that's full of empty weed eaters. The weed eater that gets the attention is the one that's empowered. That's how you tell a born-again weed eater from one that's not born again. It's filled with the spirit of the living God. Where are you today? Jesus said in John 16, this is so cool. He's, t- he's talking to his disciples. He's telling them he's about to go to die. You know, I mean, they always have these cheerful conversations. 
And every time, he tends to go, you know, I know this is going to hurt. I know we don't want to part from one another. I know that, you know, actually all hell is going to break loose. And I'm not enjoying the prospect of going to the cross myself. But I want to give you my secret. I want to give you what's helped me. And that's my friend, my partner, my life, the person, the Holy Spirit. He said, you're not going to be left as orphans. You're going to be alone for a little while. And then we're going to send you the Holy Spirit who, is what, who, who comforted me. And he says this, I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive it and your joy will be complete. How are you doing? How are you doing in your life? I mean, we, we, we've cultivated a respectability in being confused and being burnt out, in being tired, in needing a break, needing a holiday. How many holidays do you need? All that stuff. Uh, need to retire to recover from life. It's not in the Bible, none of that. Because weed eaters without gas get really exhausted real quick. They get discouraged very quickly. They never realize their potential very quickly. They work very hard, maybe. But it's pretty pathetic. And I believe this Pentecost, this morning, right here, right now, there's a big, 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 tank of gas and the Lord's saying there's only one thing you have to do what's that see I could pour the gas all over this bottle if God wants me to do it he can do it alright I'll pour it over you've got to open it you've got to take the top off you've got to let him in that's our responsibility and God is sitting here today, standing here today, and I believe with all my heart, saying, My dear, dear weed eaters, I have watched you and I have noticed your devotion. I have noticed your hard work. I notice some of you polish yourselves up every week and you look beautiful. But you are empty. You have lost your first love. In fact, some of you have never heard the power of my engine pouring into you and you being what I created you to be. Some of you have given up. Some of you remember the spark plug went once and you wished you could get it, but it never happened again. So now you have settled for a life that is miserable or you have settled for something far less than what I have for you. And you've even made that respectable. But my dear weed eaters, I offer you gas. And you know what? The price has already been paid by Jesus on the cross. It's free. It's not one dollar and nine cents or whatever it is. It's not subject to inflation or deflation or the corruption of the oil cartels. It is a free gift from a father to his children who says, I will not leave you as orphans. If you want to be an orphan, it's your issue. But I provide for my children. So I'd encourage you. It might not be dealing with broom, it might be dealing with love, it might be dealing with forgiveness, it might be dealing with identity, it might be dealing with healing, it might be dealing with sorrow, it might be dealing with discouragement, it might be dealing with fear, it might be dealing with anxiety, it might be dealing with anything on earth.
And God sent his son and God sent his spirit to say, I will give you the power to live victoriously in the midst of anything. So receive my spirit. Receive the companionship of my, my spirit. And see what happens. Why would you settle for lamplight when you have electricity? Why settle for a horse if you can have a car? Why settle for freezing around a fire if you can have a whole house heated with the power? Where are you living 300 years ago or today? What are you driving? What lights your life? What empowers you? It's a lot more fun, believe me, with that, mo- that weed eater powered than it is with your hands. Let's stand. Jesus said, Until now you have not asked me for anything. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. The reason we stand is because I've made a commitment to the Lord myself that I'm never going to teach without praying for some kind of response. Because I don't, want to, I'm not, I don't believe God wants us to hear in our heads. He wants us to hear in our hearts. And he doesn't give us information, therefore, that we can go and try and work this all out again. So all we're going to do now is say, you know, take the lid off the bottle if you want. The bottle's inside your heart. And it's your attitude. It's your, and Jesus is just going to say, uh, wherever you're aware of need, wherever you're aware of emptiness, wherever you're aware of struggle, wherever you're aware of things like broom, tell him about it. Wherever you're dry or you're discouraged, you're depressed or you're afraid, tell him about it. real easy putting gas in that, that weed eater. It doesn't take a lot of effort. It was built for that. So why don't we start, maybe I'll lead you in a prayer, which is really going to, we're going to go to the cross, and we're just going to ask Jesus to forgive us, and then you fill in the blanks. We're going to ask him to forgive us where we have tried to do it ourselves and all that stuff. And sometimes it's just good to do it all together because as far as I know, we all need help. And it's also good to speak things out. And then we'll ask God to just fill us again with his spirit. So let's make this personal. If you pray after me, if you want. Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you went to the cross for me. For everything I have ever done that has not been according to your will. Thank you for your blood shed on that cross. And I just bring you anything in my heart right now that is getting in the way of you. And you tell him what that is in your heart. You just name it. Because his spirit will be telling you. You know exactly what it is. He's not accusing you at all. He's just kind of saying, we've got to clean out the bottle, otherwise we can't put anything in.
And if you were like me, I gave him anger, I gave him my bitterness, I gave him my resentment, I gave him my fed-upness with the way he was doing things, all that stuff I had to give him. Thank you, Jesus. I want a bit of passion out of you. Thank you, Jesus, that you take my sin and you have taken what I've given you now. And you cleanse me with your blood right now. And doesn't end there. This is where he just responds with smile and joy. And he, Jesus went to the cross in order to rise again in order to give the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit. And so receive. He just pours into you right now the Holy Spirit. He said, receive my Spirit. Receive my spirit, receive my power, receive my presence. Because I have promised that if you ask, I will give. Holy Spirit, we just pray for you to be poured out over every individual here today. To pour out into their lives, their hearts, their empty bottles, your fullness, your power, your gas. There are one or two of us who, who are scared that if I give God permission, he's going to do something else to me. And we still try to hold on control. And we want him to tell us what it's going to be like. And he's saying to you, give me control. I will fill you and I am filling you, but you have to let go. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit, the power of God. You know, there might be people here who don't even know Jesus. Well, God loves you anyway, and so tell him that. Say, Jesus, I don't even know you, but I'd like to know you. And then he'll help you introduce and know that. He loves you, and he loves me. He's, he's on our side. So come, Holy Spirit. Receive the peace of the Spirit. Whatever it was that you brought to Jesus, whatever is uppermost in your mind that you lack right now, thank God in your heart for what he's given you to respond. So if you've been anxious about something, if you've been anxious about something, then receive the Spirit. Receive the Spirit of peace. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your peace. Don't worry about your feelings. Just step in and thank him for what he's giving you. We don't have because we don't ask and we don't get because we don't receive. To receive the Spirit. Receive the Spirit of Pentecost that empowered the disciples to be extraordinary. Now thank Him, because the thanking Him is like putting the cap back on the bottle. It's sealing it. Thank him for what he's giving you. Thank him for what he's doing. Thank him for his response to you. And pray and, and, and receive specifically power. The power to be different this week. The power to be different in the thing that you're bringing him. The power to be transformed. He's giving you that if you want it. I speak in the name of Jesus. There's some people here who are so used to being in the afflicted place that they actually don't know what they would be like if they weren't afflicted. And you need to tell Jesus that. Some of you actually are comfortable 
in a place that doesn't bring life. Because it's a good alibi and a good excuse. And you don't have to worry about life anymore because you've got a problem. And I speak death to problems that are not of Jesus. I speak death to lies. And I speak death to things that keep us from the living Lord Jesus. And I break those lies over you and those words over you in the name of Jesus. And I'm not being hyped up here who is hysterical. I'm just speaking with authority. I speak against lies that keep people from the risen Lord. Or keep you on the same track. And speak the truth of the Spirit, of hope, of life, of joy, of peace, of power, of purpose for you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will release your power in every life here. And that this week we will see your power at work. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you. Thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you that you are going to use us in the lives of others. Thank you that it's got nothing to do with our feelings. Really, don't get stuck with emotions here. Don't worry about your emotions. God is faithful. Look what happened to Jean. She went home and in the afternoon she found something had happened. Just know that God responds. He deposits things in you and he is doing that right now. And so we celebrate that, Father. We want more. We want to be a people who live in your spirit, empowered by your spirit. We want you to start with us and and fill us up that we might be used by you to fill others up. We can't do anything without you, so we bless you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.